Welcome to Ivy League Murders. My name is Sarah Alcorn. I'm a Harvard graduate and a private investigator. And my name is Laura Rodriguez McDonald. I'm a University of Miami graduate, longtime crime aficionado, and part of a fourth generation NYPD family. Laura and I don't always agree on everything. With her NYPD roots and my criminal defense background, sometimes we find ourselves on opposite sides of the jury. We do share a mutual passion for crime solving, and we both grew up in Cambridge, steps away from Harvard University. On Ivy League Murders, we discuss cases where the best of the best make the worst decisions. We look at people who seemingly have it all and throw it all away. Murder, murder. How did mega pop star Britney Spears become the face of a serious issue in this country? And the issue is conservatorship. At any given time in the U.S., conservatorship affects 1.3 million people. Here to explain what conservatorship is, and also the details of the Britney Spears case, is David Cole. We're honored to have him back here on Ivy League Murders. David is a fellow Havardian. He is one of Dallas's top appellate attorneys, and he also has a great podcast called Coal Mind, which puts current events within the context of constitutional law. We welcome you again, David. Today, we have the pleasure of having David back to talk about conservatorship and Britney Spears. Britney Spears has actually become the spokesperson for this issue and really has brought all sides. It's become like a bipartisan, everybody's kind of come together for this issue. It's an extraordinary story. It's when we last met, we talked about what the Pennsylvania court called an unusual one-off case. This is just not going to happen again. Here we are again on something similar. There are many, many, many conservatorships, guardianships, that sort of proceeding across the country. But not one like this. This is wild. This has been going on for years. The subject of the guardianship, the conservatorship, who supposedly cannot manage her own affairs, is out performing as a highly paid professional singer, one of the top stars in the country. It's uh, just extraordinary. But it brings to light some interesting aspects of how this part of our legal system works. It's really important. It doesn't grab headlines the way a lot of the criminal cases do, but millions of people's lives are affected by it, often in very profound ways. And this case does surface a lot of things that are more day-to-day -day and very relevant to people besides Britney Spears' concert schedule. I'm going to back you up right there, David. And can you explain to our listeners what conservatorship is? Conservatorship is an example of a kind of proceeding that every state has in some form or another to help to resolve the situation where someone can't take care of themselves. It is most often seen in situations where you have a severe mental illness, a severe physical problem, like somebody has a stroke, or they have a severe substance abuse problem, and they just have to be separated from whatever's causing them to abuse that particular substance. And the way it comes up takes many forms. It can be the police arrest somebody and realize there's a bigger problem there than just someone having a bad day. Relatives can become concerned for someone or doctors in the hospital. Someone has a serious health event there. They can begin the process. So it goes by different names in different settings. But conservatorship, guardianship, that concept 
is used in the probate courts and the wills and estates setting, in juvenile courts when you have youth that have some troubles, and in the criminal courts where sometimes in addition to criminal punishment, sometimes as an alternative to it, a person is sent into the mental health system for some attempt to try to help them solve their problem as opposed to just having incarceration. And then that's the general lay of the land. Every state has their own different procedures and their own different settings, their own different burdens for that. This particular situation that Britney Spears is in, this conservatorship, is sort of tied to the mental illness part of what I was describing before. Someone is just not capable of handling their own affairs, even though they're physically in good shape and, and all that. This one's gone on for so many years, it's hard to really assess that anymore. But in the California procedure, it's one of the specific procedures they have for helping in that situation. If you have somebody that just can't manage their life, you can get a court involved and put safeguards and other people in place to help that person's affairs not just go to waste and be mismanaged. So does it always involve assets? No. The Again, this is speaking at 60,000 feet, but a guardianship can be over the person or over the estate. Those are the terms of art. So if someone is unable to take care of themselves physically, you would have a guardian of the person who's tasked by the court or whoever's in charge to make sure they get the medicine they need, make sure arrangements are being made for their shelter. Guardianship of the estate means the person can do whatever they want to, but the estate, their bank accounts and that sort of thing are under the control of another person. Sometimes it can be, you can have both in the same place and it can be the same person. Sometimes it's different, but those are the two things. The physical health of the person is one reason you have a guardianship. And then the business affairs of the person are another reason to make sure their house doesn't get burned down or something. I think in the case of Britney Spears, she was definitely having a breakdown. There were some drugs yes. and alcohol, some mental health issues. She got famous from a very young age. Yes. And so legitimately, I believe her parents, her father especially, stepped in and sort of became her guardian. She was making a great, she was worth about $100 million, right? And she was vulnerable mm -hmm. to some person coming in there and just sort of taking her assets as well. So initially, there's a good reason for somebody oh, yeah. stepping in and taking the conservancy over. And that observation you make is one of the things that this case really brings to light. These proceedings have, generally speaking, again, have three stages. There's an emergency type thing on the very front end that usually involves the first day or two days after the procedures start going. You know, like someone is running around the house with a knife saying they're going to kill themselves. Well, then you can jump in there and do certain things on an emergency basis. And the second phase is what I would call immediate treatment. You can't just put somebody in a hospital for the rest of their life because they had a bad day and were running around saying silly stuff with a knife. You have to, after a couple of days goes by, whatever the rules prescribe, you have to have another hearing involving whatever kind of evidence that state says is appropriate to say, what are we going to do now? Are we going to let you go? Or are we going to insist that you have some kind of treatment before we let you go? And what are the conditions going to be? And depending on the state and the procedures, you can have a court be involved. You can have different experts come and testify and that sort of thing. And then the third stage, which is the one the Spears case brings to light, the long term. Okay, the emergency is solved. They're no longer an immediate threat to themselves or anyone around them. Treatment plan fixed. We figured out what we're going to do. We're going to see this doctor. We're going to do this with the kids. Everybody's taken care of for the next little bit. What happens when that's done? And then six months from that and a year from that. And 
that's a challenging part of the system to operate. On the front end, there's all this energy. There's an immediate threat and everybody's excited and everybody wants to really resolve it. But two, three years down the road, people kind of fall into habit. And even the best run procedural system, people can just kind of, oh, it's that case again, and just kind of stamp the papers and, and move on. And it's hard to kind of maintain that interest. But it's very important because it's somebody's freedom and somebody's rights you're talking about. And if the situation after three months, six months, a year is not the same, the same rules shouldn't be in place. And here they've been in place for a very long time. About, thir just, about 13 uh, years, yeah, right? That's remarkable. Her? It's. I mean, I don't know any of these facts and the, the record is sealed, so we don't know much about it. But it seems unlikely to me that this could have lasted for 13 years unless Ms. Spears was basically okay with it for a good chunk of that period of time. She has resources. She has access to the public. And it's not surprising to me, forgetting about conservatorship for a second, it's not surprising to me that a relatively young, somewhat anxious uh, star would want to turn over their business affairs to other people to worry about. That happens. A lot of people do that. It has nothing to do with guardianship or conservatorship or anything else. And some of this conservatorship is basically that. But where it goes further is because you have a court involved and you have the ability of the court to order things. You don't have that in a typical agent type relationship. And that's what makes it unusual. But it does seem like you know, it doesn't seem like people were griping too much there for a period of time. And that may have been because it was working. And what about she make, I mean, I'm sure you have no way of knowing this, but she made some pretty outrageous uh, accusations about her medical care. And then yes. she, she was forced to endure, you know, medications or procedures she wasn't comfortable with. Now, would that be standard? And I mean, that seems so outrageous. Those, are, those are very serious claims that she's making. And they, they if they are accurate, there's some heads should roll about that. On paper, at least, this kind of thing is set up where that shouldn't happen. You should always have in these situations, you have the judge that's supervising the court case, you have whatever other experts are involved, but you always want to try and appoint, in, when you're designing the procedures of this, what's called a guardian ad litem. Right. Someone, a lawyer whose job is to be the advocate for that person. Even if they can't speak or think, if they're in a coma, it's your job to come in as a guardian, be objective, not be anybody's friend, just focus on the best interest of your client and stand up for them. And every few months you check in, depending on what the rules say, once a year, whatever the requirement is. If you find out that there's abuse going on, it's your job to sing out. And that raises then the question of, was there not a guardian ad litem? That seems strange that you would have millions of dollars being processed without someone in there being tasked to look out for Ms. Spears' interests. That's weird. If there was a guardian ad litem and this kind of stuff was going on and they didn't know about it, that's weird. So either the claims are exaggerated or something went very wrong with the guardian ad litem process because there should have been someone looking out for that kind of thing and they should have seen it if it was there to see. And the fact that they didn't raises questions that someone's going to have to answer before this is over with. The fact that Britney Spears has been on this for a conservatee, isn't the, is yeah. that the, the phrase? I've never heard that before, but it sounds really good. I think it's... Uh, <laughs> okay, that's my can, quote. You can that's send my, it into the Oxford English Dictionary from Ivy League Murders. That's my quotidian uh, phrase of uh, conservatee. It's the Ivy so League they... Murder Show. <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, but the fact that she has been the subject of this for 13 years 
what's the level of evidence that a judge would need to see in order to keep somebody in a conservatorship like this? There's there's no general answer to that question. The, it depends on whatever the law is in California. It's different in every state. Generally speaking, if it was a question about commitment, like putting someone in a facility or a care program, that usually requires clear and convincing evidence which is a standard sort of in between the beyond a reasonable doubt standard that we know from criminal cases we discussed on the Cosby matter the other day and the preponderance of the evidence standard in civil cases that's that's just 51% more likely than not but where you have to make that showing in the process we talked about how there's an initial emergency stage then kind of an initial treatment stage then longer term that varies from state to state. On the front end, it's pretty clear you've got to make these clear and convincing showings. Over time, I don't know if that really is expected uh, by the any constitutional requirement. And over time, I think the judges are given latitude to kind of tailor things a little bit to a particular situation. If a situation just doesn't need daily updates, you're not going to ask for them because you know, someone's got a an incurable medical condition. The only thing you want to know about is have they gotten any worse? There's nothing really to monitor. This is a much more complicated situation. She's basically a one-person corporation. She's a business. And that's the kind of thing that often needs some pretty serious hands-on monitoring to make sure it's working well. So the answer is, I don't know. And even if I knew, it would be subject to a fair amount of discretion by the judge based on what he saw was going on and needed to be taken care of. And I know that, I mean, I know Casey Kasem's daughter has an organization regarding conservatorship. So Britney Spears isn't the first person, obviously, to have had an issue with conservatorship. So she's obviously bringing up an issue that affects other people. Oh, yes. It's a, it's, yeah. This is kind of bringing it just to the mainstream. Yeah, it's a serious topic. The criminal law and the beyond a reasonable doubt standard and the things in our Bill of Rights about criminal procedure is relatively well known. And high-profile criminal cases come along, give us all an education about that every few months, even if you don't practice in the criminal law area. Uh, but these cases don't get that kind of attention. They involve sort of private, personal matters. The records are often sealed. There's not as much scrutiny of them. And in some ways, that's good because it means you can take care of sort of sensitive business in your family without the whole world looking at you. Other times it's bad because something happens that is not just and there's really no way to have a scrutiny brought to it. I mean, you're talking here about the court system having to make judgments over time. There's the emergency and then you know working forward in time, depending on the situation, based on what they're being told by experts. The courts themselves are not experts in mental health about things where reasonable minds can often differ. In many cases, it's pretty straightforward. If someone's in a coma, they're in a coma. It's not that hard to resolve that and sort of apply best practices for the care of that person. But if they're behaving strangely, well, why? What is the diagnosis of that? Reasonable minds can differ about that. And reasonable minds can really differ about prediction. Today, I can tell you this person has you know XYZ condition in the standard manual. What will they be like in six months? Hard to say. And so you have to kind of be making guesses in there as well. And that's different. We don't do that in the criminal setting. You make a determination about what happened, you receive a sentence, and there you go. That's the sentence. It's set. In civil cases, you have a trial, a judgment is entered, and there you go. But here you have this ongoing monitoring situation about 
areas that can get pretty gray and that's a real challenge and it's it's hard to come up with rules that apply to every case i can't help thinking that somebody's kind of mental state and she was pretty far gone she was shaving her head sure. she was going outside of changing rooms naked and in department stores i mean there was some pretty acute behavior on her part but i can't and lots of drugs and alcohol but i, I can't help thinking that somehow that taints somebody and they they sort of have to live along with that legacy i don't know how, how do you really show a marked recovery yeah. from that sort of behavior yeah. to prove to a court no it's and there, of- that raises too that, that we now kind of go from legal doctrine to just psychology but remember i was talking earlier about one of the challenges in monitoring this kind of situation over time is the case comes back you know the court's got a million other cases let's oh i remember that case that was that lady that cut all her hair off and was running around in the street, that sort of initial impression sort of stays with and psychologically by the decision maker, that's just how they think of the case. And making people confront that bias, overcome it by forgetting it and focusing on the evidence at hand, that's a challenge. Judges are human beings. Psychiatrists are human beings. That's a, a something that they have to work hard to overcome. I'm sure they try, but you know it's hard to do it perfectly in every case. Another brilliant observation I was going to make about that particular situation. That's why we have you on, David. Right. I forgot what it was. Um, so, <laughs> well, I think it's the question of the problem of the initial impression someone makes when they enter the mental health care system. If they go into a situation that requires long term monitoring, how you shake that initial impression, because there it is, top of the file, every time somebody picks it up. And with Britney Spears' case, it was like, you know, crazy, nuts all over the place, all these pictures and media coverage. And no, it's very hard to shake every time you look at it. So no matter what you hear, that's always kind of in the back of your head. The other issue that you confront here is with people that are that are released from the system. So someone goes in for whatever reason, they're there for a couple of days, maybe they have to stay for another week. Uh, all the people involved decide they're okay to go. How exactly do they go back to their employer and say where they've been for the last week or so, assuming they're employed? Well, I kind of got involuntarily committed to the local mental health institution. People are going to react to that in certain ways, and it's probably not going to be positive. And so you're not talking about a criminal conviction that has certain legal consequences. You're not talking about a civil judgment that's essentially just the right to get money, but something in the middle about which people have a lot of personal opinions, many of which are not fair. There's a lot of unfair bias in our thinking in the society about mental health problems. But getting in the system and being stuck in it for an extended period of time, aside of whatever issues there may be for your own health and your own development, there's stigma associated with that. And you may not be Britney Spears with all these photographs in People magazine, but you come across that way to other people when they hear about your experience and that's going to affect you and different things you want to do in your life. I'm kind of hoping that if anything that comes out of this case, it will kind of help break down some of the stigma and bring this case to the forefront so that we have a better understanding about this issue since it does affect so many people. It would be nice. It would be nice. It would be, it's unfortunate that it has to come at the expense of anyone's Absolutely. You know, problem. Absolutely. I don't, I don't want Ms. Spears to have any more trouble in her life than she's had. She's had more than her share, even though she's had great success as well. And having to go to court and and spill her guts out every few weeks in these hearings, I'm sure is is very difficult. But to the extent the judge and the uh, whatever appellate courts look at it can sort of manage that discussion and make it go in a positive direction, 
it's hard to have laws that apply to every situation because they're also different depending on the people. But if they can say, here's two or three principles that we really need to keep in mind in these kinds of cases, here's how we're going to apply it here, that might stimulate some good discussion. And I think the judge here has already struck a nice tone on this by taking her seriously. I mean, she came into court essentially kind of representing herself. She had a lawyer, I think, but she got on the stand and just sort of spoke as a layperson about her honest feelings about things. And he listened. He didn't just poo-poo that. And, and that was good to see, that someone can come in and just complain on their own about the situation they're under. And the, a new ad litem was brought into the scene to look at things and assess it. And that's a good reaction to have. Absolutely. Um, someone comes in with a serious complaint, hear what they have to say and get someone to take a look at it. That's good. I mean, considering the enormous public focus on this case, I, what, what would you predict will happen? Oh, goodness me. I, I couldn't even begin to. The biggest drivers here are things we know nothing about, which are people's financial situations back behind the scenes. And I, I have no idea what any of that is. Some of it is Britney Spears' evolution as a person. She's 13 years older now than she was back then. She's had a lot of life experience, and you would think she's a different person than she was 13 years ago when she had all these high-profile problems. And she's received a lot of care, and she's received a lot of she's had a lot of time to not have to worry about a lot of things. Hopefully, she's learned from that, and she's able to take on more responsibility now that she wasn't able to do. We don't know about that either. Other people are going to have to make judgments about that that are closer to that situation. But assuming the judge can get an accurate sense of what's going on financially and satisfy himself that there's no funny business or the funny business can be fixed and a new framework can be put in place and that continuing this is really in her best interest in light of her growth as a person and what her current life situation is. Something comes out of that that's going to involve a lot of fresh new faces, I expect, in some roles. Maybe the family stays around, but there's probably going to be more oversight in it, just because this has kind of been behind the scenes a little, quite some time, and you know, people develop bad habits when no one checks up on them. Well, I do. The cynic in me does think, obviously, the money is a huge motivator. What, okay, let's say of the hundred million that... 95 of it has been spent. Is Does she have any legal recourse to get if she's been under a conservatorship? It's a tough question because there are two hurdles you have to overcome there. One is the hurdle in any civil litigation, which is the ancient principle that you cannot get blood from a turnip. If the money has been spent, it's hard to get the money back. Um, the second is that people that are appointed to positions of authority like this, a receiver in a business case, guardians, they're, they're given some deference by courts, some leeway in making judgments. And I'm not suggesting it's an automatic defense that they say, I used my best judgment and I just happened to lose $95 million. I'm not suggesting that's a valid defense, but they are going to get a little bit of a break if they seem like they were really trying and just goofed, because we want people to serve as guardians and receivers and conservators and that sort of thing. And if they're automatically on the hook every time some investment doesn't work out the way you want it to. No one's going to take the position. So there's some extra uh, hoops you have to jump through in bringing a claim against someone who's been put in a position of authority like this. Now, the flip side is they're expected to you know, be able to account for every penny, too. If you, if you just goof and make a mistake, you probably get the benefit of the doubt. If you stole something and you can prove it, that's a very serious problem because you've been given a lot of trust. So you in some ways have fewer hoops to jump through on that claim. 
I guess I was less skeptical of the guardian ad litem and more skeptical of yeah. her family, of her parents right. misappropriating funds. Yeah. But so, I'm, not, I'm not saying they have. Yeah, we don't have any. But we, we but, don't know that uh, that's know, been done. Right. No, I, I come to, let me put it this way. Anyone who's been in a conservatorship, guardianship, receivership, whatever, has a potential claim against the person that was running the show for mismanagement. If the claim is that mistakes were made, that's going to be an uphill slog because we want people to serve in these positions of authority. And if they get penalized for good, for honest mistakes, that's one thing. But if you can prove that there was self-dealing or a failure to disclose information to the court that you were supposed to disclose or to Ms. Spears that you were supposed to disclose, that's a very serious matter. That's a violation of trust by a fiduciary. And it's a very serious civil claim, one that's relatively easy to show damages for once you can prove it. The problem, of course, is getting the money back because if it's been spent, you know, who knows where it went. Well, this has been really interesting, David, and I guess it's going to be an ongoing, we'll have to get updates exactly. from you. It's going to be an ongoing case as we see, and I think it'll be pretty fascinating to watch. It's a, it's fast, it's, it's a fascinating situation. She's a, I mean, she's a star. She's a, she's been a huge star for years. She's super charismatic or everybody, people like her songs. And to see someone that famous in this situation is just so jarring at first, but it gets people talking. And Absolutely. There are millions of people across the country affected by this in many different ways because it comes up in so many different areas. And to the extent it gets people thinking and making sure that the processes are really working as effectively as we hope they would, that's great. That's something that these people can get forgotten that are in this part of the legal system because they're just sort of off there in the back room being watched by people away from the scrutiny of the court every day. And you know, we hope things are going well. It's nice to just kind of check in on that and confirm that for ourselves. Absolutely. I think she puts a face on a, on a very serious issue. And uh, thank you so much, David. And hashtag, uh, hashtag free Brittany. Yes. And, uh, there you go. Yeah, and others. If, you're, if your Keep legal it. cause has a hashtag, you're ahead of the game. <laughs> <laughs> not, not many people have a hashtag for their case. And if they do, it's usually not very good. So you know you're playing in another league when you have a hashtag and everybody's using it. That's, Good point. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's, that's remarkable. Kind of like Ivy League murders. Everyone should use that hashtag. Thank exactly. you, David. Thanks, Thank you, David. Right. You guys take care. Always be, a pleasure. Thanks. You know, be careful. We'll send you a t-shirt, David. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. A coffee cup or something. I can use <laughs> your coffee cup. All right. Well, I guess that's Our that. Murder. Murder.